Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Got a good one for you today, especially if you uh, like to shed hunt. Um, I got on the phone with Steve Shirk with Shirk's Guide Service. Great guy out in uh, Pennsylvania. You may have heard him on things like uh, Trail Cam Radio. Um, he's been on Whitetail Crows with the Exodus guys. He owns his own outfitting business um, out there in Pennsylvania. He talks about that a little bit on the podcast. Um, but he's an excellent shed hunter. He has a unique way of shed hunting that I think is really cool, um, really effective. And we just chit-chatted about shed hunting for, for a while. Um, we went over some tips and tricks and, and how to go about being efficient while you're, you're shed hunting. Um, I like I liked Steve because, um, you know, he's finding sheds in a state that, you know, maybe not be the best state to go out and find a bunch of sheds. So um, with that being said, i got to thank a couple sponsors. I guess I want to I comment on my sponsors. I know a lot of people frown upon them uh, about podcasts having too many sponsors, and I... And, um, I get that, but it's actually pretty expensive to, to make these episodes. I'm sitting here looking at a recorder that's, you know, $600, um, and with mics and headphones there, you know, each of those can be a couple hundred dollars. And yeah, I was just essentially, I wanted to do a podcast, um, but I had to justify doing it and, and, um, you know, get a little bit out of it. Um, not that I'm going to probably end up breaking even out of this deal, but, um, that's why I have a couple sponsors. It's just expensive. And I don't think people realize that, um, yeah, you can do it cheap. You can do it with a smartphone and little equipment, um, to no equipment, but you also run into, you know, um, audio issues and, and quality issues. And then you hear people complain about that. So that's why I have sponsors and the two sponsors I have Exodus and Stealth Outdoors. I'm friends with those, those guys at both companies. I, I believe in their product. I've, I use their product, and I've I bought way more um, products at full price than I have at the the bro discount or whatever you want to call call it. So um, both Stealth Outdoors and Exodus Trail Cameras I've been using for years now. Um, I've, I've I trust their products. That's why I picked them as sponsors and their friends. I like to help them out if I can. So um, and they, and then they're obviously helping me out. So that's kind of the the reason I got a couple sponsors just so you guys know. Um, with that being said, I wanted to give a shout out to Stealth Outdoors. Um, this month they are running some flash sales in February, so be looking out for those. Go follow them on social media. Um, you, I think that's where Lou will update you on whenever there's going to be a sale. Go ahead and get stocked up on your stealth strips right now. Um, it's always good to have a bunch of those things laying around, not just for hunting uses, but for um, you know just general stuff. Put them on the bottom of my dang chairs and my um, kitchen. So they quit scratching up my floor, um, things like that. So, um, yep. I also need to thank Exodus Outdoors. Um, as you guys know, I'm a huge fan of Exodus trail cameras and I'm good friends with the guys over there at Exodus. If, if you're not familiar with them, uh, they've, they've really been trailblazing the, the outdoor space as far as trail get cameras with like top level products and, um, some of the best customer service in the industry. And they've now been in business for seven years, um, and they're, they're uh, consistently shown they build the, the, the top quality trail cameras, and they just flat out work. Um, and of course, uh, it's no secret that Exodus has uh, the best trail cam warranty period um, in the industry. Um, every single camera is backed by a five-year warranty, and it even comes with theft and damage protection, which is just crazy. The reason they can, they can give you these five-year warranties 
Um, it's because the cameras don't break. They last forever. Um, I, doubt, I doubt you'll have to use the, the five-year warranty. So with that being said, um, it's trade show season, um, and I, I just got the word that they kicked off a great buying opportunity for their Exodus Render, which is their Verizon 4G LTE camera that sends pictures and videos uh, to any device through the Scout Tech app. Um, and you can save 15% off by being one of the first 100 customers to use the code SHOWTIME at checkout. So SHOWTIME, like the DirecTV channel, S-H-O-W-T-I-M-E. Um, this code will save you over $50 on the Exodus Render and almost $75 off the security bundle. Um, the security bundle is super nice, especially if you're in an area where you're you're worried about them getting stolen. Um, these, the, these type of savings from Exodus really don't come around very often. I encourage you to check this deal out if, if you're in the market for a reliable trail camera. Once again, use the code SHOWTIME, S-H-O-W-T-I-M-E, to save 15% off a render purchase. Exodus is, is so uh, such a cool company because I feel like they're they're like top uh, top in their field um, about handing out information to you guys. If you guys check out their their YouTube channel, they got all kinds of not just trail camera information, just all kinds of information on on deer hunting and hunting in general. Um, they got the popular show Whitetail Cribs. Uh, they do the hunter profiles, just uh, just all around. They go above and beyond for their customers. They also have an awesome uh, lineup of a podcast. If you guys like to listen to podcasts, and you're listening to me talk, so you probably do. Those podcasts, as the uh, I think their original one is the Trail Cam Radio. Um, they got all kinds of cool stuff on there. The Land Podcast, which is hosted by Jake. Uh, that that podcast I've listened to an awful lot now. Um, really cool information on there. If you're looking to buy some deer hunting land or managing land and that kind of stuff. Um, and then Cameron, who you guys saw on the Hunting Beast channel. Um, at Fort McCoy in September, the early season hunt we did, he hosts the Deer Gear podcast. I think that's their their most recent podcast and where Cameron goes over all different types of gear um, that you may want to use during your deer season. So with that, get on their website, exodusoutdoorgear.com, and save you 15% off with the, the Showtime discount code. With that, let's get to the episode. Hey, Steve. How's it going? Welcome to the podcast. Hey, good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is approaching shed season all around the uh, the country, and I uh, I see you on uh, on Facebook and um, articles you've written on, on shed hunting, and I thought you'd be a good person to get on here and, and talk shed hunting strategy. <laughs> no, that, that's, uh, like I said, uh, you, you hit me at the right time. That's about all that's on my mind, so... Uh, I think we'll have a good conversation. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm kind of in the same boat with you. I, I do a lot of scouting and everything else this time of year, but I do enjoy uh, going and looking for sheds as well. Um, I've, yes. I've been fairly successful at it and I think you, uh, you're more successful th- than me at it even. And I think, uh, one of the, one of the main reasons I like to, I, I really wanted to get you on is because you seem to find them in, you know, in some hard to find places kind of, if you know what I mean, like you're yes. not, you're not looking on some big private, farm um where, nope. there, where there's 30 bucks on the farm you know um <laughs> you're you're finding them kind of in you're in pa right yep i'm in pa i do a little bit of shed hunting in new york but mm-hmm. like 90 percent of my shed hunting and uh, pretty much hunting overall is in northern pennsylvania yeah for sure yep and that's that's what i we 
me and you talked yesterday or text back and forth. We kind of had, I don't know, I wrote down like five things to talk about here. And that's what we're going to do today is just go through those. Um, and it's all going to be geared towards shed hunting. So um, the first point was we wanted, I want to talk to you about timing of shed hunting and uh, kind of making sure you're, you're hitting the woods at the, at the right time. Um, get, can you, can you kind of start there, Steve, and, and we'll go yeah. from there. Okay. Yeah. I mean, my, my thing is like, I don't have like a specific day or month when I start shed hunting. Cause I'm more of a shed hunter. Like I'm not a big numbers guy. I like to like target big bucks, especially if it's a buck that I hunted all season and I didn't get like, you feel like almost like a second chance if you can at least get his antler. So right. what I'm doing is, you know, running cameras to see when bucks dropped and, you know, what bucks are out there. And so I just kind of base it on, you know, I've had bucks dropped as early as, you know, late November, early December, and some of them seem to hold on till sometimes into April. But yep. uh, so I don't really have a specific time, but a lot of it's just based on my cameras and my scouting and when individual bucks do drop antlers. So you're, you're essentially, you're, you're monitoring trail cameras up until yep. whatever the end of shed season, if you want to call it or turkey season kind of thing. Absolutely. Uh, my, uh, my shed hunting is, is just like, uh, hunting, you know, hunting deer in general, except the you know, only thing I'm going after is, is the antlers. And, and I think it's a, a really great strategy, uh, to use cameras this time of year to know uh, when bucks drop and, you know, what bucks drop and even what deer are out there. Um, and it's definitely helped me out a lot several times, you know, getting sheds to a particular buck. Yeah. So like what areas do you put the, uh, the, um, the cameras in, I guess, when you're kind of targeting a buck for, for a shed, a shed, like do you move yep. them outside of where you have them in season or anything like that, I guess, if is, is anything different in that uh, um, perspective? Yeah. I mean, usually like the, my main buck this year is just one real, you know, really big eight point. Uh, I usually start out in their core area, uh, even where I was getting pictures of them in hunting season. But then sometimes it changes. Like, you know, I live in the northern part of the country where we get a lot of snow. So sometimes if we get, you know, bad winter conditions, it, the bucks will be driven out of their core areas and mm -hmm. they'll go like, you know, down lower in the valleys, sometimes miles away where there's an easier food source to access. So it really depends on the severity of the winter. Um, and it hasn't been real, real bad here yet this year. I mean, right. There is probably about 12 inches of snow out there right now, but it's pretty soft snow. And from what I'm seeing, most of the bucks are still pretty close to their core area, but we're supposed to get a huge snowstorm like starting tomorrow. So yeah, things are going to change and all whatever intel I had like uh, up till tomorrow could completely change if a buck hasn't dropped yet. Yeah. Do you, do you think these like kind of, um, if you want to call it like high stress weather patterns, that can, can kind of switch on like we're going to have tomorrow um, here yep. in the Midwest. Today's like, today's what, February 2nd. So like if you guys listen mm -hmm. to this in the future, but like we're going to have a big, a big uh, shift in weather tonight. Um, yep. Does that kind of stress, will that, will that, will that be enough for the deer's, you know, testosterone just to drop enough to start dropping antlers quicker? Um, have you yep. ever noticed things like that, like weather patterns um, cause them to drop them? A absolutely. I mean, I can't say like, you'll see major amounts of yeah. antlers fall, but I've seen that tremendously over the years. Like 
sometimes really cold weather like it doesn't have to be uh a lot of snow but that those real cold below zero nights especially if you get some heavy wind yeah. that'll really put some stress on them and i i think causes antlers to fall and once again you get these big storms and it just starts to wear bucks out more and even mentally even if they had the, a little bit of desire to look for that one last hot doe i i think you know and the the deep snow and just the harsh winter just tells their bodies you know what heck with it man it's just yeah it's time to just focus more on survival than anything you know anything else so yep. i do believe uh you know that that can be a factor but probably not like uh once again it's not like you see every buck drop and i've it's it's crazy. I, I don't really know if it's something that we can ever figure out exactly when a buck drops or what's going to make them drop. But certainly, you know, the, the weather and the decrease in testosterone has a lot to do with it. Yeah, and I and I, this is something else I was going to bring up to you, and we may kind of go back and forth, kind of scatterbrained on this podcast a little bit. But I picked mm-hmm. up a shed from a, like a 145-inch 10-pointer I had on camera this year, and I went to grab the camera, I don't know, the other day, and it, the one side of his shed was you know, laying on the trail going into the camera. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, awesome. Well, and it had already been chewed on and stuff. So it's been laying and then, you know, there was no blood on the end of the, the antler or anything. And so um, it looked like it had been laying there for a month, you know, is, is what it looked like to me. Um, I believe it. Yeah, but what was odd is then the, the other side, his other side, you know, I got pictures of that deer with his other side on for, you know, just up to a few days ago. Um, wow. Yeah, which is, I guess, do you, do you have any idea on what causes that where they'll drop one side and not the other for a while? Or could it be, is it just maybe he got that side banged against something or, um, you have any thoughts yeah, on that? I've, you know, like this, this may sound a little odd, but I almost think that like sometimes a buck wants to drop his antlers because yeah. those real early ones I find tend to have like a lot of, whether it's bone or whatever, like they'll have a chunk of, Mm-hmm. of you know of the skull on them mm-hmm. and it just makes you wonder if sometimes he has been trying to just shake it off bang it off and one comes off but he can never get the other one off or or is it the opposite where uh it is just a little bit loose but he's still rubbing and maybe fighting a little bit and one eventually just gets loosened up a little bit more but uh because some of them you see the 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 bottom is extremely clean and it just looks like it popped off perfectly and then sometimes right. it looks like it was a real struggle to get it off yeah it looks like it hurt <laughs> yeah exactly like i've seen some like holy cow you would think that you he'd have a hole in his head and his brains would be oozing out that's how much came off yeah <laughs> yeah no kidding <laughs> so uh so back to the the trail camera thing you yep. run mostly cell cameras in the marius because i in my mind i'd be worried like um, and I use trail cameras too, to kind of monitor, to monitor shed season. But do, yep. do you ever worry about just like bumping the deer out of the area that you can shed hunt or anything like that? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. My problem is though, is I'm very limited where I hunt that I can even use cell cameras. Yeah. The majority of the woods here, there's no cell signal at all. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think they're a great tool, but it's just, they're not as effective for me just based on the area I'm in. Um, but I still like, you know, what I, if there's, say, if there's like a good food source that the buck is hitting, um, I'll monitor those cameras a lot because 
most of our deer are, you know, in the daytime are still in their bedding areas. So I can still keep an eye on what's happening in the food, in a feeding area. Yeah. And really I, whether I make the deer go nocturnal from feeding in there or not, I could care less. I just don't want to entirely bump the deer out of the area. So I just try to avoid going in those bedding areas until I know for sure that, that he's dropped. Yeah. That makes a hundred, hundred percent sense. And that's what I typically try to like this time of year, whenever, you know, most of the deer are probably still holding, I'll try to get those like easy ones where I, you know, I go out to, I don't know if I got some bean fields or something, I can go and look real quick and, and not really yep. disturb anything. I try to try to kind of stay out of the, the bedding areas and generally, you know, unless people are actively shed hunting, they're not going to be picking them up anyway. Um, unless sure. they're, they're real obvious. And I yep, just wanted to, I wanted to ask yep. you about that. Cause I, I always worry about that checking trail cameras and bumping the deer yep. and yeah. Yeah, I would, like I said, just touching back on it, I would tell people, you can go in that food source every day. I really don't think that's going to push a deer out of an area. All that's probably going to happen is he's, if he was coming in that last hour before dark, he's probably, if he recognized you're there every day, he's just going to start coming in at night anymore. So uh, food sources are, you can just keep pounding on them and you're not going to see much effect. But as soon as you really start, hitting those bedding areas hard that's when you can ruin ruin your chances big time yeah so we were talking about timing a little bit and and i guess for you you don't really have a set time where you like a lot of guys are like i don't go to the woods until march uh, yep. to shed hunt and that's that's not like your strategy really then no because like i said i'm i'm going after individual deer yeah. like i might you know if i find 15 20 sheds this year i'll be happy like yeah. one year um, I got sheds to my target buck. Uh, he dropped like, I think it was like early January. And I really didn't have any other deer I was focusing on that year. So I said, you know, what the heck, I'm going to try to get just this year, get as many sheds as possible. I think I got like 50 some, but other than <laughs> that year, I, I have no desire to just, yeah. just pile them up. I, I just, I like the fact, um, like I said, and I brought up before that, it's almost like you're hunting a buck still. There's there's more strategy to it when you're looking for a certain buck because you're still basing it on your scouting and what you've learned about that deer. And when you do find the sheds, if you you know you get lucky enough, it, you have there's more gratitude and feeling of success when when that does happen versus just going through the woods covering a ton of ground and just trying to pick up antlers as they come. I, I feel more, it feels more rewarding when I'm looking for a particular buck. Yeah, I know that makes sense. And and like, I guess, I, unless you just enjoy picking up antlers, you know, I guess what's the point in picking up a yep. whole bunch of six pointers and four pointers and. Yep. Whatever, I mean, I, I still think, I think that's cool and everything. Oh, yeah. I'm not, I would never knock on anyone saying that that's, you know, that's no fun or that's yeah. too easy, but it's just like, it's, if you're, you know, like a more of a trophy or mature buck hunter like me, it it almost keeps like uh, it keeps you going after the season and throughout the year, just yeah. monitoring. It feels like you, the game never ends when you're constantly <laughs> pursuing a certain buck, even if you can only get his antlers. Yeah, and that's and I it kind of sounds like we do the same thing a little bit. Like I, I, yep. um, I really like I got this giant deer on camera at a, a, a small little farm I can hunt and I'm mm -hmm. really trying to figure out when he's going to drop and where he's going to drop and all that stuff. Um, and if I guess if I pick up some, um, on the, along the way, that's, that's great. But like, 
I'll be focusing my area, you know, where I'm shed hunting in those areas where I have these shooters for next year. And another thing with, with me, we have some public land around here that we can't run trail cameras on. So like finding a shed antler is kind of a, kind of a key part of me, like knowing the deer in the area. Um, Absolutely. Because you're not going to see them from the tree stand every every year. You know, you're, there, there's going to be years where you know you're not you're not on on them right where you need to be, and and finding a shed antler at least gives you kind of a glimpse of hey, this is what's still here for next year. You know, God willing, I guess makes it through the spring and the yep. summer. I think especially if you find that shed in like a core area or bedding area, yeah, it could it could lead you to way more than just an antler. You know, yeah. it could it could lead you into killing them the next season. Yeah, for sure. And then I guess while while you, you mentioned uh, finding them in bedding areas, what do you think? One of my points on on our list here was, um, you know, where to look at for look for sheds. Where uh, where do you find most of your sheds? For for mature deer, I still find more in bedding areas than than any other, um, and it might just be more related to the habitat and the woods I hunt because I know it seems like. Um, you know, more and where there's ag land, it seems like people yeah. find tons of them around food sources. But here, a lot of times, it's not really worth doing a ton of feeding in the winter, believe it or not. Like, sometimes there's just so limited food that a buck will, his body will tell him, like, yeah, if I go start feeding today, I'm going to put more energy and burn more calories into just going looking and feeding versus just laying here and kind of, you know, letting my body go into, you know, somewhat like a, uh, like a hibernation type phase. And that honestly does happen. And I found beds and bedding areas where there's like maybe three or four beds just in a cluster of one individual buck where it looked like he just stayed in there for weeks. Yeah. Um, He might browse around and dig around a little bit, but that those, those mature bucks are, they take such a part into the into the rut and the breeding phase that I mean their their bodies go through the absolute worst and they lose more fat reserves than than any other deer in general I think so they're the ones that really have to uh, play their cards right when it comes to surviving the winter and if food is not easy to get to they're going to be spending way more time in their bedding areas yeah conserving energy kind of thing exactly mm, that's interesting so do you I'm trying. See, I've never, I've never kind of, I've been to Pennsylvania, but haven't hunted out there. Your guys' mm-hmm. what are your guys' food sources in the winter? Then is it mostly like natural browse up in the hills? Yeah, like uh, like this year we didn't have like any acorn, so yeah. uh, natural browse. Like they'll dig up like uh, you know certain kind of bulbs and flowers and roots mm-hmm. of plants in the winter. But then again, if if there isn't good good amount of browse, it's above the deep snow it gets to the point where if the snow is too deep deer can hardly feed at all because right. they can't dig through the snow to get food sources and if the browse is covered up or there's just not good browse that's where you just see these bedding areas on fire for sheds because uh i mean i'm no biologist but i can tell you that deer can go a long time without hardly eating yeah. like they're not like certain animals or like us and i truly believe that some deer may go a week or more without even hardly eating during a bad winter because once again their uh, you know their bodies are just telling them it's just not worth it just hold up here till the weather breaks and then look for something to eat so yeah uh, if it's if it's a harsh winter 
it's hard to beat bedding areas. And even even mild winters, bucks are still spending a ton of time in their bedding areas, and they're still they're still probably my favorite place to look for sheds. Yeah, I'd say they're uh, the amount of energy it takes them to dig up food is more than the calories they're taking in when they end up when they end up finding something. Um, yep. Yeah, I never really thought about that. Of course, I live in southern Indiana, and we definitely have hill country, um, but we oh, don't okay. we don't have the we don't have the harsh winters though. I mean, um, mm-hmm. you know, it was 65 degrees here yesterday. So the, the deer, <laughs> wow, the deer aren't, was, yeah. Now, yeah, yeah I wish know, I was out there. <laughs> yeah. Now we're, we're not, uh, you know, now we're getting a snowstorm tonight, you know, but it probably next week it'll all melt, you know, it's kind of, um, or tomorrow night rather. Um, but yep. then, but then it's going to melt, you know, it'll melt quick. So we don't, we don't really have that, but, I still find a man of um, on our public land around here. I find a vast majority of the sheds I pick up in hill country. Um, okay. And I I've, I've always tried to like put my thumb on are they all are they down low more often are they up high? But man, I just like a split for me. Like I I find them up high, I find them down low. Um, I didn't know if what what do you, do you have like a tendency to, of finding them in certain areas um, in the hills. Um, yeah, uh, and or, once again I. the winter plays a huge part on it here like a really bad winter you're going to have more snow higher up on the hills so that's going to push deer to go down low um mild winter though you'll probably find more up high because that's where the main main bedding is and another thing you got to keep in mind is you know generally most years the prime dropping months are february and march so you also have to play you know say if you're more of a guy that's going to you know, be going, doing more shed hunting, say late March through May, you know, a lot of people do like to wait. Well, you have to look back and think, okay, what was the weather and what were the conditions like during those prime drop months? And then based on, you know, where you're going to look then, because a lot's going to change throughout the winter. Deer will constantly move from one area to another just to survive and find more suitable habitat. So just really got to, you base your hunting every year can be a little bit different and uh you got to know during especially those prime shed months you know where the deer were then and what what was going to cause them to move or stay in a certain area yeah that's a good point um you hear people talk about south facing slopes and again that's that's something i try to pay attention to and i can't like say that i find more on south facing slopes than anywhere else have you have any opinions on that only in a really bad winter. Okay. For me, my experience is I think south-facing slopes are probably the worst slopes for buck bedding or buck living yep. than any other slope. Like, I find more bucks bedding on east and north slopes versus south. Um, but, once again, you get a really bad winter, and uh, deer will be pounding the south slopes because that's where there's going to be the least amount of snow. So I know, you know, you said you, it doesn't seem like you really have to use winter weather a lot towards your shed hunting, but where I come from mm-hmm. winter, the, the severity of the winter and, you know, the length of it, the timing, and it, it all plays a huge part in where the key shed hunting is going to be and where deer are going to be in general. So once again, if it's a really bad winter, south slopes are going to be great. If it's not, I would put south slopes last on your list. Gotcha. No, that makes sense. And that's, like I said, I, I'm always trying to like pattern my, where I find sheds and it's just like, it's hard to, yep. it's hard to, to put a pattern on it. Something else I want to talk about. Um, 
I, I, I'm like you. I like, I find usually 20 sheds a year probably is what I average. And it's, it's, Mm -hmm. um, and, and people just don't understand how I like, how do you find so many, you know? And I, and I don't, do you have any like pointer? Like I got my own pointers to tell people, but like, do you have any pointers, um, Mm -hmm. about like how to go out there? Cause I'm sure you've done this before where someone's shedding hunting with you and they walk by a shed that you can see, you can see a hundred yards away, you know, and they walk right by it. Um, you got, you got any pointers for people that, that struggle finding sheds? I mean, this, this might sound crazy, but cause I really think like it's a lot of it's in your eyes. And if, if you don't, develop like that knack for what to look for and especially when there's no snow like most people don't like snow mm-hmm. the thing is though like antlers tend to have like a brown color and they blend right in so really what you should do is start uh putting some, some sheds out in the woods and just coming at them from different directions and just trying to spot them because it's really just about training your eyes i i can't tell you how many people I've been with and like I actually have let them I see the shed and I don't say anything yeah and I'm like I'm gonna give them a chance because like you know I know that I've probably found more sheds and it'd just be cool to see them find it and most of the time they just walk right by it because yep. their eyes just you know they, they aren't trained um but uh and another thing too like just to find more sheds I feel like some people don't go through areas thoroughly like Mm-hmm. They're more and like, they're just going to make a big circle. And generally I, I find sheds in like pockets where, you know, cause a, a buck's range is a lot of times going to be a lot smaller this time of year. Yep. And he might, especially like a bedding area, it might just be a little couple hundred yard section. So you got to cover every inch of that because, uh, if, if it's so easy to just walk by an ant- antler or even, uh, if you're 20, 30 yards away, a lot of times you're you're not close enough to see it. Yeah, so you got to know when you're in a good area and to cover them thoroughly. And I think lastly, another thing that I do is I might say like the day before, I might say, okay, yeah, I covered this area. I'll actually come back and come in from like a different direction. And, and because you'd be amazed on how much you can see just by coming into an area from a different direction, like the shed might, might've been behind a log or behind a tree. So you can't give up on a good area too quickly and you have to cover them very thoroughly. Yeah. And those are all real good points. And I always tell people like, whenever you're shed hunting, you're really not looking for an antler. You're looking for like shapes of antlers and you're looking for a little tine or, I mean, it's, it's very rarely that I find like, I mean, it happens, but like, just a blaring shed sticking up out of the ground. You know, it's, it's usually like, it's usually you see like the, the shape of the beam, you know, laying, the, they're laying flat or something where you, and I think yep. people like, I think they look for them to kind of smack them in the face and that almost never happens. You know, it's, it's kind of like, you gotta, you gotta, like you said, you gotta have a trained eye. And, and um, I mean, however long ago I used to carry a shed around with me and just throw it out. Like when I'm shed hunting, I'll carry one with me or I used to, I don't yeah. do it anymore, but I'd carry it with me and I'd throw it out in front of me just every so often like look at it and like oh look how it's laying there and look what it looks like and you know sometimes you throw sometimes you throw it out there right in front of you you know and you can almost not even see the stupid thing like you'd have to look for it again (laughs) you know um so yes um that's another tip i think i may learn that from um wired to hunt a long time ago they had a shed hunting podcast but that helped me a lot too i believe that to get the um just get the feel of what what a shed looks like laying on on the ground um, yeah. 
Um, one thing too, I'll add, uh, most people don't want snow for shed hunting. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're just basically targeting big sheds, like I think three or four inches of snow, especially after it snowed and like a real fresh snow can cover the antler completely, but two, three days after it snowed, you know, if it hasn't snowed anymore, those tines or the beam, everything sticks out so much better in snow versus no snow. So I would totally, uh, you know, try to explain that you actually would, in my opinion, you don't want a lot of snow, but you, you would want to prefer more or some snow. Mm -hmm. Plus you can see tracks, you can see bed, you can see where deer have been more frequently. You know, yeah. It just seems like most hunters avoid the snow, but those antlers stick out way better with snow. And once again, you can just, you can, you can get on fresh deer sign in areas more easier because it's all all the sign is right there in the snow now that's a that's a good tip because it's almost the opposite of what um a lot of people will uh yeah. will do yep now those spikes and four points and all those little ones are going to be buried but if you're looking for a big antler yeah by all means don't let the snow stop you from looking you find it easier to find a shed when it's sunny or cloudy outside preferably cloudy yeah um then once again, I also think sometimes it it depends on the color. Like those chocolate ones, I think in the sun they shine a little bit better. But like the lighter colored ones in the sun, I think are harder to see. Now, generally, I find more lighter colored than chocolate ones. But uh, once again, you might want to base that on the deer you're hunting. If it's a big chocolate rack, uh, hmm. I think the sun would be better. But you know, lighter horns, I, I think cloudy days. In general, I would also think and, and prefer cloudy versus sun, sunny. Yeah, I would tend to agree with you. Sometimes when it's when it's sunny out, everything seems to be glistening and shining and everything, and it just makes it a little bit more hard, a little difficult to find antlers. Um, Absolutely. And, and we don't typically have, or at least in my areas, like chocolate horned antlers. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So, um, but I'm sure you're probably dead dead on with it. it makes sense with the the darker antlers. Yeah, a lot of a lot of northern areas, yeah. you know, like Canada and even me, northern Pennsylvania, you get a lot more chocolate antlers. And it also seems like some really big deer they get older, and the horns just seem to get darker and darker. So, and actually, those have been the most challenging ones uh, I've ever had to look for. The the chocolate antlers are literally just like camouflage on, yeah. on the leaf. So, if it's a chocolate rack buck, you, you it's going to be twice as hard to find. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned you found uh, you. Were, I had it on here to talk about your your best year of shed hunting ever, and it doesn't have mm -hmm. to be it doesn't have to be the year you mentioned you found like fifty. Um, but is there like a year that stands out, or what was special about a certain year? Yep, um, I can't remember what year it was. Probably about two thousand and seventeen or eighteen. I'd have to look back. I even keep notes of this stuff. But the one buck I called Goliath. Uh, it's a really cool story, and I mean, people. A lot of people know. I've told this story many times, but if anyone hasn't heard it, um, it was it was a really big deer that uh, I had way more luck shed hunting him every year than I did hunting him. Put it to you that way. But I went in. Uh, I went into his kind of through his bedding area. The the one year it was the day after Christmas, and and I actually didn't think he'd even be there yet. 
uh, it was real mild winter at that time. And I was just kind of just scouting, but I kicked him out of there right out of one of his main beds that he uses every winter. And I'm like, Oh no, you know, I, hopefully I didn't ruin my chances here. So I, I played it as safe as possible. I, I waited till like almost mid April, never went back. And I kid you not, his sheds were laying in the bed that I kicked him out of oh, the day after Christmas. That's cool. And that was, that was the first spot on my mind to check. Not thinking like, I mean, what are the chances? Right. But, uh, I was the, I literally just went in there and in like five minutes, boom, got his antlers. Like to me, and that was the biggest set of antlers I've ever found. Um, to me, like that was more rewarding than the year when I found like 50 some sheds, like, that I had a plan and it worked and it was almost like killing them. You know, I, I know people probably think that's crazy, but when you, when you, you know, waited for months and yep. you had an actual strategy and it paid off, like that was my favorite ever. Cool, man. No, I agree with you. Is there, is there anything else you want to touch on as far as shed hunting goes? Um, I mean, I think we touched on a little bit, but I, I do think the number one key though, that I would, uh, especially once again, if it's uh, uh, if you're targeting bigger deer, because I think you can get away with some smaller deer. But is your pressure like? I know I said that I go like any time of year, but there are people that go through their best areas. They get too anxious, especially with social media. It's almost like you yeah. feel like you got to keep up with everyone because all you see this time of year is people collecting antlers, but you're going to do more harm than good by going in certain areas and burning them out real quickly. So you just have to really play your cards right and uh, know when to go and when to wait. Um, if you're not running cameras, you're, you're probably way better off waiting than going through especially bedding areas. So I think that's, I think that is probably my number one key that I would tell listeners is be patient. If you're, if you're not sure, um, because we're still a little bit early yet right now. It's different. You know, once you get into March, I, in my opinion, I would, at least from where I live, I would say by then, you know, 70% or more of our bucks would probably shed by yeah. March. So uh, just don't get too anxious. Just wait on your best spots so you know the time is right. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's good stuff. And, I and um, yeah, the way I found out about you was on, uh, you were on an episode of Whitetail Cribs, I think, uh, with oh, the Exodus okay. guys. And I saw yeah. your, your display, how you have uh, your, your sheds up on the, um, oh, up, up along on the, the wall. Yeah. Up yeah. Like a, on a cable or something. And that, oh, okay. Yeah, you saw so you, that. Too. Yeah. You gave me the idea of that. Now I got a, a cable running in my living room from one side <laughs> to the other, all my sheds hanging on it. So I'm sure my wife really appreciates that. Um, but I, I get a lot, of, I was going to tell you, I get a lot of like people have seen, like I got some of them and just, you can see it in a video or something I put on the hunting beast and you and I get a lot awesome. of questions about about that, like, oh, how do you do that, or you know, what do you do there? So, I always have to give yep. you, I always have to give you credit credit for that. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and another thing, uh, I've actually I just I've moved into a new house, and those sheds were at my camp. But yeah. I've brought a lot of sheds to my new house, and what I'm doing right now is because the basement ceilings aren't finished, that you just have you know the beams running across. So now in my basement, I'm just nailing them to where they hang just off the beams and it's like kind of like a chandelier type look and that's really cool but yeah i i i mean i'm not gonna say it's wrong but i really hate it when people just pile them up like 
I feel like they're so cool and they're such a collectible item that yep. uh, you, you really can can do so much more and you know finding a good way to you know to hang your sheds or you know do certain things with them and I just think they make a great decorative item. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, yep. That's yeah. My wife actually doesn't mind them in there. They look they actually look pretty good. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I appreciate you getting on here. And I guess before we leave, uh, can you kind of pitch what you got going on? Because you you uh, you have a little outfitter business over there in PA that sounds like it's a uh, it's a good place to go. Yeah, um, I've been guiding these whitetails for probably like ten years now. Um, I'm kind of more of like a unique. Uh, I'm not your typical outfitter. Uh, I do all big woods, public land. The hunts are definitely more challenging, but you know, my hunters that come and when they do have success, it's, you know, because you're, you're working so hard here. Um, it's very rewarding type hunting. Um, one of very few outfitters, even in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania is really not known for big deer, but I mean, if you put your time in thinking almost anywhere in the country, there's, there's always some big deer. And I think that's, what's been a draw to, some of my clients is they just want to come and it's not so much the hunt, but they want to learn from me because I am getting people on big deer in places where they really aren't known to exist. And uh, so, yeah, it's just been something I've really enjoyed to do. It's not my full-time job. I, I do landscaping and this time of year, snow removal, but during hunting season, uh, both of those businesses tend to slow down. So the guiding, you know, it definitely, uh, you know makes up for some loss of income and just free time so uh it's been it's went really well for me it's led me into a lot of different things like you know meeting people like you and many others and i'm just you know god has definitely blessed me with it and uh i look forward to it every year to say the least yeah and you can uh what's your facebook page isn't it like church guide service or because you yep okay yeah. I yep. This Instagram too. It's Instagram, just Shrek yeah. service. Yep. Yep. And it's, pretty, it's, it's, everyone thinks it's Shrek, but yeah, uh, no. I don't mind if you <laughs> just don't spell it Shrek. Because right. there is, I don't think any Shrek guide service. <laughs> sure. But uh, other than that, that's pretty easy to remember. Yeah. And if you guys get on there and follow, follow Steve, um, you'll see he, he, uh, he has a lot of big deer and, uh, he shares them on this, on that page there for everybody to see. So pretty cool stuff you, you got, you post on there. You also write some articles. I saw you just had one come out and was it outdoor live? Uh, North American, North American whitetail. whitetail. I, okay. I, I'm, I do quite a bit of writing for North American whitetail. That's about it. But one thing, like if somebody doesn't follow me on social media, um, I've always felt impelled. Like it's one of the reasons why I like to guide is I love to like share my knowledge, my experiences, and I love to help other hunters. So, uh, if you just want to follow me on social media, I think at the least, uh, every now and then you can learn something. I'm, I always try to post things almost every day that can make people better hunters or encourage them in some kind of way, especially, you know, this day and age, I don't know about where you're from, but it's just, I see a huge lack in hunters and a, a decline in the, you know, and probably throughout the country where, you know, it's just kind of scary. And, you just want to, as hunters, I think we want to do our best to encourage hunters to, uh, you know, create new hunters and just keep our sport thriving because uh, if we're not all uh, on the same team and if we're kind of losing our strength, then God only knows that, you know, someday this, what we love the, the most or the sport that we love, we, 
might not have it anymore. 100%, and that is the reality of it if we don't get our crap together, essentially. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I appreciate it, man, and thanks for thanks for getting on here. I really enjoyed talking to you. Absolutely, and any any time, just let me know. I I love I love your podcast. I've I've listened to it. So just once again, it was an honor for you to ask me, and uh, look forward to listening to many other episodes as well. Yep, no problem, man. <laughs>